We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's up, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Joining me tonight is my partner in crime, my PIC, my co-host, Eric Crocker. What's up, brother? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's good, man? What's new? Uh, I don't know. 4-0. That's about it. 4-0. 4-0. Yeah, you heard that right, 49ers fans. 4-0 for the first time since before probably at least a decent amount of you listening to this were born. 4-0 since 1990. I was five years old the last time the 49ers were 4-0. Yeah, I was three. So It's a trip. It's a trip. So what are you, uh, 31? 32. 32. Okay, yeah, because I turned 34 November 5th. So remember, remember the 5th of November if you've ever seen V for Vendetta. It's like my movie. I, but, I, I, I haven't seen that. Oh, man, what's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get before we get too carried away here, uh, I got to mention one of our sponsors, uh, Axios. Uh, it's a pretty legit little site. They kind of they're it's like a free story site. Basically, any NBA or NFL news that you want to get, they'll send it to you in like an email every day. So if that's your thing, if you feel like you get some use out of that, a lot of times when I wake up in the morning and I'm not really ready to roll out of bed, bed, which is pretty much every morning. Um, I'll get on my phone, just kind of check the news, see what's going on. Usually there's something. So if uh, if that's your deal, then check out Axios. But like Crocker said, the 49ers are 4-0. 4-0. They have not lost a game yet in 2019. 
And we are coming to you on a Wednesday. You'll be listening to this on a Thursday. The game was Monday, and the, and the 49ers pretty much dominated in every way, shape, or form. So, so that's how we look at it. That, that's how we look at it. But, you know, getting ready to, to talk about these games, you know, you and I, we review the, you know, the past game and kind of talk about the game coming up. And so, you know, I also listen to other podcasts from other teams. So, you know, when we played the Steelers, I listened to them, you know, pretty much all week. And then I listened to their thoughts after the game. Or, you know, just I just want to hear outsiders' perspective on the 49ers. Right. Well, I listened to the uh, Browns. And they weren't very, they weren't speaking very highly of the 49ers leading up to it. It sounded almost like they thought, like most other people, it was a fluky 3 0. Right. And Which was a common theme leading up to the game. Yeah. And afterwards, they made it seem like it was more of the Browns being bad than the 49ers being good. Well, usually and, a good team will make a bad team look pretty bad. Well, that, that's that's my thinking, right? And I think at this point, you you would start to hear people talk about the 49ers in a different light. Um, I, I'm not saying that they have to say, oh, the 49ers are just like, the Super Bowl contenders. I've seen that question kind of floating around a little bit on these debate shows. But just to respect the 49ers a little bit more than I feel like what they're getting and, and just how they're kind of being talked about. And just to kind of say like, well, the 49ers didn't really do anything. Um, I mean, it was like, dude, you you got destroyed at every level. Destroyed. Right. Like, well, it's, it's like, how do you come up with an excuse for a team that put up 40, 40 points the week prior against a pretty decent Ravens team? Right. 44 points, I think, right? Or 40. Yeah, something like I that. think it was I think it was 40 even. But And then you come into Levi Stadium the next week against a team who a lot of people felt was – being overrated in the 49ers and they just got absolutely trounced. Like, right. That, I, I think that was a game we were all waiting on to, to kind of, be, you know, where the yeah, 49ers are. They, are they That's what I was hearing. At, at least from like, I listened to a lot of KBR. Um, that's the 49ers flagship radio station. And that was the thing that they were saying, like, you're going to find out a lot about these two teams, right? Um, you know, who's going, who's going to go which way and, you know, this is a really good matchup. It's balanced, and it like totally wasn't balanced. It was it was just the 49ers obliterated them, and still, I, I think the 49ers flagship like they're they're good, but just other people, man, just listening. Everything was just more so about the Cleveland Browns. Everything was about Baker Mayfield. Everything was about the lack of you know use of uh, Odell Beckham and Freddie Kitchens is the over his head. And not so much about, hey, you know what? This 49er team, through four games, they have the number two defense in the league. They're top five in pretty much any important uh, statistical category. Um, top five in defense, uh, number two overall. Top five in offense, number four overall. Top five in takeaways. Um, I, I mean, just everything you look at. Number one in rushing, too. Number one in rushing. At I mean, least in yards, yards per game. game. Yeah, in yards per game, they're number one. And it's like, for whatever reason, the 49ers still aren't viewed. I mean, 49ers turned the ball over five times in the game and still won. Right. To me, that was when I knew, like, okay, I think the 49ers are kind of good. You know, it's not like a well, I, I think the 49ers would have, had they been able to control the football that game, I think they would have destroyed the, the, the Steelers. Right. 
The only reason the Steelers put up points is the 49ers kept giving the ball. And even then, they were only kicking field goals and stuff. So, right. And if you look at their touchdowns, even their touchdowns were, were on like a broken play or, you know, Jason Brett kind of getting exposed in his – uh, in his limited snaps. So, I mean, realistically it didn't happen, but there were, the 49ers were very close to blowing out three teams, three weeks in a row. Right. You know I mean, or, or three games in a row, you got the Bengals Steelers and now the Browns and the, what the, what kind of sucks for the 49ers. And this doesn't really suck, but you could tell everybody was waiting for that prove it game against the Browns. And I think a lot of people thought it was going to be kind of like a dog fight. And since the 49ers destroyed them, everybody's eyes turned towards the Browns. Like, Oh, this football team is just really bad. You know, and you you can't. There's a lot less. Well, maybe the 49ers are just this good. Right. Which I think it's safe to be somewhere in the middle of that. You know, the 49ers can be really good, and the Browns can be bad because the Browns have played bad this year. You know, and they've played good at times. They play bad at times. But to me, it's it, you. You have to be impressed with what the team's done. Like, and, and to me, it's like for the first time in a long time, it's on both sides of the ball. Like, you can you can make an argument for which. You know, you could you could make valid arguments for which side of the ball is the stronger part of the 49ers team. You know, they they both just are playing so well and dominating that it's it's been pretty impressive to watch. You know, it's 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 hard to come up with really any critiques of the team, but the one thing you can point out right now, and I think feel like maybe it's a good time to mention that, is 49ers are, are taking it in the chin again from the injury bug because you know, up, leading up into this point, everybody listening knows they lost Joe Staley to a leg fracture. He's supposed to be out another few weeks. I talked to him in the locker room, and he, you could tell he was just kind of – it wasn't that he was optimistic, but he, you could tell he was frustrated because he's just like – he basically told me, he's like, he's like, it's a bone, man. Like, there's nothing I can do to, like, speed up the process. You know, I can't just drink gallons of milk and all of a sudden my bones are better or something like that. You know, so he's kind of just waiting that one out. And then you have Akella Witherspoon. Uh, he's supposed to be out with a foot sprain. He's supposed to be out, out, out another f- few weeks. Um, he was walking around the field before the game, seemed just fine. Obviously, that's nowhere near the stress of running and cutting and, and playing cornerback. But he didn't have any sort of a brace on or any anything on his ankle to make it look um, – or foot to make it look like, like he needed help. So that was a good sign. And then – after after the Browns game or during the Browns game, the 49ers lost Kyle Juszczyk, who uh, strained his um, MCL, and that's supposed to be another four to six weeks for him. And that's one where uh, I tweeted about this uh, yesterday, but he kind of went out and sought a second opinion because he I think he feels like he can come back sooner than four to six weeks, uh, which I'm sure the 49ers are hoping, but you don't really want to play around with a guy like that. And then, uh, and then we just found out today that they also lost right tackle Mike McGlinchey, who has to have a knee scope done. So he is – the 49ers are without both their starting left and right tackles um, for at least another few weeks until Joe Staley comes back. But McGlinchey supposed to be out for another four to six weeks. So uh, that's, you know, that's a big blow. Uh, that's the, really the only downside – the only negative we can bring up right now about the 49ers since they've been playing so well is the fact that they still haven't been able to avoid uh, these injuries. And that's to nobody's fault. That's just football. Uh, you know, I saw a couple comments today on Twitter about, you know, the strength and conditioning staff, stuff like that. That's, that's not a thing. They can't, they can't go out onto the field and prevent you from getting hurt. Football is an incredibly violent game. I have middle schoolers getting hurt all the time. Like it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah. Especially with the injuries that they're getting, right? These right. aren't uh, like, these weird muscle injuries, you know, these are ligaments 
you know, being hurt from, you know, guys getting rolled up on and, you know, things that just happened during the game. Um, I, I'm not sure if you saw the play where uh, it, it was uh, Richburg. He just, like, destroyed the defensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns. But in the process, he threw him right into the back of uh, Mike McGlinchey. Was that the play that he got hurt on? And I don't, I'm not 100% sure if that's the play that he got hurt on, but I think that's where a lot of people are assuming it happened because it it looked really bad. Right. It looked super uncomfortable. Uh, It (laughs) it looked bad. I don't know if you saw that picture I posted. Uh, Kate Kyle, who uh, my editor at Niners Nation, posted that clip. And uh, I posted a picture of uh, it's from a war movie called Platoon, where the guy's like getting hit in the back, and he like flails his arms up and falls down to his knees, and that kind of looked like what McGlinchey was doing because he yeah. just had a three hundred pound dude thrown into the back of his knees, and and it, it looked super uncomfortable. So that very well could have been when he got hurt. Yeah. So you you know it's just and, and then the juice uh, injury. You know the, those things are just gonna happen when you're playing hard. It, they're happening in games. Um, I'd be more worried if, you know, these things were happening while guys were at practice or conditioning or something like that, then I, I would have more of an issue with it. But some of these things, man, you just can't just can't avoid it. And I I, I will say the thing that I'm uh optimistic about is, you know, school looks like he's filling in okay, right? Um now I don't know if is something where Kyle Shanahan has been scheming to protect him or not. Um, but just, he looked fine. I saw this one play where uh, J- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo threw a deep out to Marquise Goodwin and just watched what what Miles Garrett tried to do at school, man. He tried to hit him with this vicious, like, speed to power, spin move. And, I mean, school school just stayed in front of him, mirrored him, protected Jimmy, Jimmy G very well. I was like, man... He might be kind of good. Well, now we're going to have to try to get, I, I don't know if you want to use the word lucky, but you have another guy who you might have to protect and in Brun School. And, you know, it, it's tough. But but the optimistic part for me is that these are offensive guys. And if anybody knows how to kind of scheme around some of the deficiencies, I, I would say it's Kyle Shanahan. Right. And, and, and I think – to his credit with Justin School is there's no way you can get through a defensive front like Pittsburgh and a defensive front like the Cleveland Browns without being exposed even a little bit. And that hasn't happened over those two games. So you know there's probably a little bit of Kyle Shanahan helping out, helping him out in whatever way he can. But you also know that the guy's just holding his own. You know, he's playing well. And on the first play of the game against the Browns, uh, Matt Breida ran for an 83-yard touchdown, completely untouched. They ran right to Justin School. And and there was, a, you know, Justin School handled a block. Yuschek uh, came down, got a block. Uh, and then I think the other the, – the, I think there might have been a pulling guard too. I can't remember. But, you know, they ran right to him. You know, they trust him. They They – it, it was obvious that they were, you know, to open up your, your script going right towards your, you know, your sixth round offensive tackle, you know, that says something, it's not a huge endorsement, but you know, they have a little, they must have a little bit of faith in him. And now in place of McGlinchey is Daniel Brunskill, who has kind of an interesting story. He was, he was picked up 
as an undrafted free the, free agent by the Atlanta Card or Atlanta Cardinals, Atlanta Falcons in 2017. Uh, he didn't really hang out long. He was on the practice squad. Uh, then he signed a uh, a futures contract in 2018, but then he was eventually waived. Um, spent a little bit more time on the practice squad, but once uh, that didn't go any for him, he actually joined the the AAF, the now defunct uh, football league that was meant to be kind of a, a minor leagues for the NFL. I was a huge fan of it. I loved it. But he was on the San Diego fleet, so he's a California guy uh, in the AAF. And he, I, I don't know, came to a tryout with the 49ers or, or you know, was, was signed just, you know, they signed him in April and he earned a spot on the 53-man roster, which is not easy to do. Um, so now they're going to be counting him at right tackle. And the, both of these guys together are going to have a big impact on whether the 49ers can continue to churn out these 200-yard rushing, you know, averaging 200 yards rushing per game. They, they – um, added up to 275 yards rushing against the the Browns on Monday, which is just crazy. That is a lot of rushing yards. I mean, it helps when your first play of the game is 83 yards on the ground, but I mean that that doesn't you, that doesn't mean you take away from it because uh, you know it was just blocked up perfectly and there was nothing they can do, especially when you're chasing down a guy that's running 22 point something miles per hour in Matt Breida, which. In Fresno, school zones are 25 miles an hour. It's funny to think that Brita is almost speeding on in a school zone on on foot. <laughs> like, it's just a weird thing to think of somebody <laughs> running that fast. It's just it's unreal. And that is the fastest anybody's ever ran for the last three seasons. So all this Tyreek Hill talk you keep you keep hearing about, you know, whether or not he's the real cheetah. It's all about Brita, man. That guy is so freaking fast. It's crazy. You know, um, talking about the, the the fastest speeds. So the the like, I guess the last three fastest speeds that have been clocked in the NFL in the last few years. Do you know who those three guys are? I know that Brita was the fastest last year. Right. I know he was the fastest this year. Was he the fastest the other year? <laughs> no, nah, it was somebody else. But I mean, oh. two out of the three guys, it was it was Matt Brita. So right. Um, you know, everybody talks about forty yard dash and, and and that's cool, but a lot of times you you know, guys aren't they don't play as fast as they run in their forties. Well he plays as fast <laughs> as his forty time says, man, it's it's pretty cool. once he uh, once he got through and he just had the safety to beat, I said he's gone. Right. I said he's and gone. There was like there was you can't even really say the safety took a bad angle. I mean he did because he couldn't create the angle but like how do you take an angle on a guy running 22 miles an hour like it's it that's so hard to do you know without like draft and then you're it's just you in open field like okay so you take a better angle and the guy's just gonna cut inside and take it take it down the rest of the field so it's i mean that that poor guy hadn't there was nothing he can do really at that point to uh to stop rita he was just he was moving so and i guess randall he wants like a big contract that was randall um the former green bay packer I believe he was traded to the Browns uh, for I want to say in the Deshaun Kaiser Deshaun Kaiser uh, deal. Okay, yeah, I want to say that's when that happened. Um, but that's how he ended up on on uh, Cleveland Browns, and I think he's up for like a contract or something like that, and wants like big money. But I don't think that's gonna <laughs> I don't think that's gonna help him too much. Right, right. And uh, what's nice for Brita, and this is such a cool like st- I mean, not really a story for him, but. Um, I think it was two years ago. He was one of the worst 
running backs catching the ball, along with Carlos Hyde when he was still on the team. Both of them were t- were t- among two of the worst running backs when it came to being thrown to. And last year, he was one of, if not one of the best, if not the best, in the passing game. And what was interesting is before the year, um, when we were at the training camp press conference before training camp had started, uh, someone asked him about what he wanted to improve about his game, and he was so quick to say that that was the part of his game he wanted to improve on. And, you know, to see him, have him say that, and then go out put to put together one of the best seasons for a running back catching the ball, that's pretty impressive. And the reason I mention that is because on the very next drive, uh, the 49ers got in the red zone. I think uh, it wasn't the very next drive, but it was, uh, I think it was after Richard Sherman's interception. Uh, the 49ers pushed into the red zone and they were on the five yard line and Jimmy Garoppolo hit Matt Breida over the middle. He ran like kind of like an angle route. Like he kind of ran outside. They cut back in. Breida dove, caught the ball. You know, it was just a super impressive. It would be a super impressive catch for a receiver, for anybody really. And uh, so it's it's been cool to watch that part of his game kind of evolve. Now, yeah, he probably, you know, he had uh, against the Steelers, he had that bottle pass for an interception, which will kind of you know, loom over him more than anybody else. But it's been pretty impressive to watch how good he is in the passing game because – was it the Bengals? Which game was it where Jimmy Garoppolo threw that deep pass and Matt Breida dove into the end zone and caught it? Do you remember? I can't uh, remember. I don't know. Are, if, are you talking about the uh, the preseason game against Kansas City? Maybe that's what it was. It was because it was like the, it was. I know it was like the first time we saw uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or something. Okay, you know what it was? Okay, my bad. He had that really really horrible game that everybody super overreacted to in the preseason. Yeah, the, it was the, like the, 0 for six the Broncos game. Right, and then he came out the next preseason game and threw and like blew the doors off and threw that deep pass to Matt Breida, and that was also a diving touchdown pass. So right, been, you know, so yeah, going all the way back to the preseason, I he's gotten a lot better. And, and even for me, like just like the eye test, he doesn't look like a. Uh, it doesn't look really natural, like it probably does. You know, if you're watching. Jerick McKinnon catch the ball and run, or even like Coleman, Tevin Coleman catch the ball and run. But he gets the job done. So, you know, I guess that's 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 the main thing. He's catching the ball very well. Um, I, I don't see those random just drops from him. Uh, and, I, I mean, he's catching touchdowns, you know. So, now nah, that's it, – it's really cool to see. He actually – I think he caught a touchdown last year against the Giants. But um, uh, you know he's continuing to catch touchdowns, man, and it's really good. Just just the the weapons the 49ers have, the team speed that the 49ers have. I'd say if there is a weakness, and I wrote about this um, in a fourth and nine article, I I do think that they lack that wide receiver one. And, and oh, they, do. They, they do. I've been a big advocate of. Well, the 49ers don't necessarily need a wide receiver one. Um, you know, let these young guys develop. But when you start off 4-0, I think that your expectations kind of change. And especially with this great defense so far and great running game, you would like for there to be a more consistent receiver threat than just Kittle. And right. I, I like that Goodwin. I feel like he's kind of stepped up to the plate to be that guy. He still doesn't get a ton of opportunities, but Dante Pettis, I, I just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I, I don't know. Debo Samuel, 
I think he's done well. I think some people will like point to that one drop where the ball got punched out. I, I thought that was a better play by the defensive back than just like, oh, he just dropped the ball. Like, you know, the defense defender literally right, punched right. the ball out right as, as it was coming in. So, um, yeah, you would like to see him catch that, but it, it's understandable. Uh, but even then, not, not a ton of opportunities for Debo Samuel. Uh, but I, I would like to see a guy where, at least for this year, even if it's just a rental like we saw with uh, Golden Tate last year getting traded to Philadelphia Eagles, um, someone that can just kind of help for now until our younger guys are just a little more ready. Stephon Diggs, bro. I mean, but that so, was, so that I don't like the Diggs. I, I I don't like the Diggs thing only because he's under contract for like the next few years and like it's like fourteen million, fifteen million. It's certainly not a rental, that's for sure. Like, yeah, that, it's not a rental. Everything about him. So there are two guys, obviously. Um, when you think of rentals, I, I would say AJ Green. Um, even though he hasn't been the healthiest, I, I think he's kind of prolonging this whole injury thing just because it's like, man, why come back to this on five team? <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm still hurt. I'm not ready. Let somebody trade for him. I bet he'll be like instantly ready, like, you know, ready to go. But um, AJ Green and then Emmanuel Sanders. And I think both guys could really help the 49ers right now be just better. In the passing game. And that's not to say that um, I don't think that guys like Debo Samuel won't come along. I thought Kendrick Bourne stepped in and um, Jimmy Garoppolo threw kind of like a crappy ball at right at Kendrick Bourne's feet. And he like he somehow that thing up, man. snagged the ball. Like that, that, was, that, that was really tough. Yeah. I need to we need to like make that into a gift or something because that was that was very impressive. But, um, you know, just. That those that guy that that guy I know I can go to he's gonna catch the ball I know I can go to this guy he's gonna get open he's open even when he's not open we don't have that guy yet and I do think that Debo can develop into that but as of now he's not that and do you want to maybe trick off a opportunity for a Super Bowl run who which if you if you can run the ball and you can play great defense you have a chance I think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good enough quarterback you you definitely have a chance. You, you need that outside guy. And I like other guys playing off of someone, but even if it's just a rental for right now, for this season, um, I would make a move to possibly uh, increase the chances of, of making a deep playoff run. Right. Before, and, and I want to keep, hold on to this because I want to keep talking about this, but before we go on too much further, we got to get a quick word from our sponsors. I always forget this. I end up recording it after the show and then I tell them they got to put it in. So I'm not going to forget about it this time. So I mentioned Axios earlier. Um, you know, the, it's, it's a cool site. Just, just hear me out. Following a team that you love in 2019 can be a bit confusing. Sometimes trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Even when you got Twitter, Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you get when you sign up for free at, ax, at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket, ping pong, everything in between. 
Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's a super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be in the friend sharing and amazing link with your buddy's business. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. And if it wasn't clear, Axios is A-X-I-O-S. Okay, so that's one of our sponsors. Our other sponsors is, of course, Harry's Razors. Because every man out there needs a razor. I mean, every woman needs a razor. They're all using razors. So Harry's is, uh, you know, it's a great way of getting premier blades for cheap. Okay, Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. Uh, the ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Uh, I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com backslash blue wire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 a blade. Okay, Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. There's no risk to try to try them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of Striking Gold can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire. You will get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. For the last time, go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to start shaving better today. So back to the 49ers. When we broke for our sponsors, Crocker had mentioned Emmanuel Sanders, which is interesting to me because there is a certain individual on Twitter by the name of Benjamin Albright. who's kind of just an interesting dude. He seems to know a thing or two from time to time. And he said to call it a feeling for now, but he thought the 49ers were going to trade for Emmanuel Sanders, which is interesting. That is that what is that what brought got you to bring his name up, Croc, or was that somebody you were already looking at even even without Mr. Albright's? Now, now just looking at situations, right? So, you know, with the Broncos, they're not going anywhere right now. Um, they do have another receiver in Cortland Sutton. I'm pretty sure they're trying to build their team around. I just look at it like, you know, is that a situation where they would be willing to move on from a guy to get some compensation for him? Um, and, uh, uh, you know, just looking at, you know, Emmanuel Sanders, he's someone that can help another team more than he can help the Broncos right now who are struggling. And the 49ers already have ties with the Denver Broncos. Um, we've done trades with them, you know, the whole Adam Peters and John Lynch thing. Uh, and he's somebody who I just feel just he fits. And it's really cool to see 
how well he's playing, considering he's coming off of a torn Achilles, he looks like he was never injured, right? We look no, at Sherman and we look at Varane, and it's like, oh, it's going to take a while, right? Well, Emmanuel Sanders, I mean, he he jumped right in, and he's looking just like he has always looked. And I really think he's just I, – I mean, A.J. Green has more size, and I think the 49ers have some guys that look a little like Emmanuel Sanders and kind of play a little bit like him, but he's really good. And I think right now – with what he is and what we know he is, he's someone that can help definitely help, you know, the 49ers, you know, in the deep playoff push. And I, I know Benjamin Albright brought the 49ers up. And I don't think he brought that up just because he's speculating. He probably is, you know, he's really close to the Broncos. He probably could be hearing something. Right, right. And he's, you know, he's good. He's already got, uh, you know, he's he's played in every game this season. Uh, he's already got 24 catches for 307 yards and two touchdowns, which is about twice as much as any 49ers receiver. Um, you know, that's that's I think that's right around what George Kittle's at right now, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he's obviously somebody that can be relied upon. He's been there, he's done that. He's got three thousand yard seasons to his name. One of them's over 1,100 yards. Another one's over 1,400 yards. You know, he's like, a, and I and I say this with all due respect, he's like a poor man's Antonio Brown without all the problems. You know, he's, he's it's just how he plays. He's super quick. Uh, he's super crisp. He's got good hands. He's fun to watch play. And I was, when he first became a free agent, when he left Pittsburgh, uh, he was a guy I really, really wanted the 49ers to pick up. I just, you know, just love the way he plays. And sure enough, his first year in Denver, he chalks up 101 catches for 1,400 yards and, and nine touchdowns. So, you know, he's a talented dude. Yeah, he's he's coming in, you know, might be in the latter part of his career, but that's somebody that, you know, you can trade for. I think he fits, man. Right. I, I think he fits right. with what the 49ers are doing right now. I know um, Shanahan would like him, 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think he's what you would hope Pettis could end up being. Right. Right? Just a guy that's really sound, um, good route runner, can stretch the field, He's really consistent. I mean, he can be a possession guy. He can be a you know a big play guy. Um, he, he's he's a good receiver. He's a good receiver. And well, and the he, only the only know. veteran they have in that room right now is Marquise Goodwin. And it, you know, and there's nothing against Marquise, but uh, you know, it would be nice to have another guy in there that that had some experience that he can he can shed upon somebody like Tebow and and Pettis and Jalen and everybody else in that. Well, room. I mean, they also have you know. I mean, sure, you got Wes Walker and well, right, right, Austin. yeah. Right, yeah, which is about as much experience as you can ever want. But but know, even then, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I just think right now with the 49ers, you just kind of – you need a guy, you know, and right now the 49ers are missing a guy. And I think that he's somebody that can definitely help help the 49ers in a big way. You know, we don't have that high-volume target guy. I think no. that's somebody that Sanders could be. And, and really, A.J. Green, for that matter, if, you know – if he were available, which he should be. He should be. I mean, just like I said, the Broncos, the Bengals aren't going anywhere. They're, they, I mean, they're in a worse situation than the Broncos. They're on five. They're on five. They, they, and I can't see them winning anytime soon. And they also, just, didn't they I mean, just win a game? The Bengals? Oh, not Bengals. No, you said Broncos. Okay. So, uh, my bad. You said, oh, no, I'm saying the Bengals haven't won. Yeah. You, and, you know, they have the, Broncos, they have a rookie. Bengals and I, and I, yeah. Wait, what happened? They have the rookie head coach, Zach. Taylor, I believe his name is. Yeah. Um, and he's, uh, you know, I mean, he's struggling <laughs> to, to find wins. Right. Um, they have had some good office, 
offensive, explosive games. Um, and a lot of it led by Tyler Boyd, who's having a really good year. Tyler Boyd also, you know, he went over 1,000 yards last year. Uh, right now he has, what, 400 and something yards, 406 yards, I believe. You have John Ross who's coming into his own. So in the losing season, the down year, again, just like I said with the Broncos, you might as well trade away A.J. Green, who, yeah, he probably can help them, but to what extent? Um, I think you're better off trying to get some compensation for him and playing with your young guys who are contributing um, and and getting that uh, experience. Uh, yeah, just free, free, free AJ Green, free, free Emmanuel Sanders. <laughs> well, it's and it's interesting too because I mean I don't I don't know how far into the proverbial doghouse Dante Pettis is, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo put a pass on him where he kind of weaved right in between two uh, Browns defenders. Uh, he ran like it was almost like a post. A little, it had a little bit of a like a post route to it. I'd have to look at it again to see the type of route. But that's where he kind of was going across the field, and uh, Garoppolo put it right on a perfect pass. Hit uh, Pettis in the hands, and Pettis dropped it. And Grant Con posted this on his Twitter. Said, "Try to read Garoppolo's mouth because right after uh, Pettis dropped it, it kind of showed him, you know, clapping his hands together, kind of pissed. And then it cuts to Garoppolo, who's just <laughs> muttering." under his not maybe not under his breath you can't tell because it's so loud but like he was not pleased and and of course any quarterback's going to be pissed at any receiver when they drop the ball like that but it 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 was genuine anger you know in in Garoppolo so you have to you know what they they said he well I mean I guess the 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 guys that can read lips um do you know what they said Jimmy G said. I know I saw someone comment that said like every effing time. Something yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. You know, that's that's real. You know what I mean? Like that's not – a quarterback's relationship with a receiver is, is built on like trust. That's 100% what it is and your ability to just kind of throw it into an area or throw it up and then go get it or, you know, it doesn't really matter. And if, and if a quarterback is – if he really – if Jimmy did really say that, you know, that's – you know, that it's tough to rebuild that relationship like that. And it was – You know who we haven't talk, spoke about? Who have we not spoke about? Trent Taylor. I know, man. He's coming. He's coming. How many more weeks he's got off? Like, uh, it's got to be like three, right? Uh, three yeah. or four? Because they, they oh, yeah, cause he went bit, to IR, right? right? They waited a little bit to put him on on IR, thinking that they'd get him back, and then they they didn't. So it's it's six. Is it eight weeks? Is it six or eight weeks? I don't remember, but I should know that. But they put him on IR. I think it's eight. I want to say it's eight. I do, I do too. Man, he was so good in training camp. That's that's a huge loss for that offense. They're doing fine, obviously, but. Having him would just would just be another level. Yeah, I, you know he was that safety blanket all throughout training camp. I mean, you and I were both there, um, and that was one thing that I think everybody was just really like happy to see. Like, man, he he looks like he's back. He looks very healthy. Um, he was saying he was healthy. I was really bummed to see him, uh, you know, get hurt and just kind of. You could tell he was really disappointed about it as well. Well, and before, you know, and we obviously Crocker and I can sit here and talk 49ers all night long. But before we get going too long, we need to kind of turn turn our angle towards the Rams. Because what's unquestionably the biggest game of the season for the 49ers. They coming off a short week, they just played on Monday night. And the whole short week thing is kind of exaggerated. They played on a Monday instead of a Sunday. It's not that big a deal. 
but they got a shorter week than the Rams who played on Thursday. So the Rams have got about three more days, three to four more days of rest and practice uh, than the 49ers are going to have. And that's who they're coming up with this week. And that is a huge game. The Rams before the 49ers could go. Okay. So at one point, both the Rams and the 49ers were three and oh, or three. Yeah, I think. Yes. And, in the, amount of, in the amount of time before the 49ers could play their fourth game, the Rams lost twice. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who the um, pretty bad. I think it was like 55 to 40. Uh, the, and then uh, the, the next game after that, they played on Thursday Night Football. They played the Seattle Seahawks and lost, it, you know, with a last second missed field goal from Greg Zerline. So uh, they lost two games before the 49ers, 49ers could even play their fourth game. And so now the Rams are at three and two. Um, and that's who the 49ers are playing on Sunday. And, and this is, I feel like the 49ers have already kind of shown everybody what they are and what they're capable of. But if the Browns didn't do it for you, this game will, you know, however, See, I, I don't think that this is as big a game for the 49ers as it is for the Rams. Oh, much. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's for the 49ers. Yeah. It's, it's good. Like as it's a big game as far as like measuring stick, the division opponent. Um, you know, we kind of want to, we want to beat the Rams, but if the 49ers were to lose this game, I don't think that would be the worst thing ever. But for the Rams, if, if the Rams lose this game and they fall to three and three with the 49ers going to five and oh, and the next few games that the 49ers play being the Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals, uh, Seahawks, and then Cardinals again. I mean, th- those are, that might be something that the Rams w- won't be able to recover from. So I think this game, for the 49ers, yes, you would like to win. But for the, for the uh, uh, Rams, I don't want to say it's a must win, but I think for them, this is as big of a game as it gets because you, the NFC West is really good right now um, with the Seahawks, Niners, and, and you know, Possibly the Rams if they can get a win, but they they can't they can't lose this game. I think this is something that's like, I think it's a huge game for them. You can't go three and three and fall three and a half games behind the Niners and two and a half games behind the Seahawks early like this and still have to play the 49ers in the Bay Area um, later in the year. So right, and that's, that's um, really for the 49ers. It's a big game in the sense of like I think for you know validation and stuff like that. But for the Rams, um, they lose this. I. It'd be really tough for them to recover, right? And that's and that's a really good point. And the fact that the 49ers are going to be facing a Rams team that, like Crocker just said, is kind of backed up against the wall, you know. And, and, and there's no way three and two in any way, shape, or form is you know indicates the end of someone's season or the fact that they can't make the playoffs. But they just lost to the Seahawks, and now you have the 49ers who are four and zero coming into town with a ton of momentum. And this is kind of like a must win for the Rams just to kind of get their season back on track. Otherwise. That's losing three in a row for a team that just came off the Super Bowl, which is actually a pretty common tale. But, you know, the Rams are still a very talented team. It's just that, you know, people have kind of started to figure them out a bit more uh, maybe than they were capable of last year. And this is a, this is going to be an interesting game. And, and I, would, I would start by saying the biggest advantage the 49ers have is on defense. And the one of the, yeah. one of the the things that the Patriots showed in the Super Bowl, and even though that was a super lower scoring game, thirteen to three or something like that, 
is Jared Goff does not appreciate duress or pressure or escaping the pocket. That's just not really his game. He can, but it's not how he likes to play. So that plays perfectly into the 49ers' hand. And the fact that they have a defensive front that over these first uh, four four games has proven that it can get after the quarterback. And if it's not getting after the quarterback, it's screwing with the quarterback. There's constantly pressure. And the 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 Rams offensive line is probably the worst offensive line that the 49ers might have faced so far this season. Uh, they're not good whatsoever. Whitworth on the right side. He's a veteran. He's decent. Excuse me, on the left side. Um, he's decent, but... He's getting older by the day. Right. And he's... Yeah. I mean, we all are, but he's, like, legit, like, really old. I mean, we look at Staley like he's old, and, man, Staley's been good for a really long time. I, I think I think Whitworth is older than Staley. He's got to be, like, like, 37 years old. Yeah, I think he's, like, 37. We could look it up right now, but it's not really that big a deal. But... Right, so, right. I, I fully expect the 49ers defensive front to get after Jared Goff. And another thing that's kind of hurting them is, is Todd Gurley is not exactly the Todd Gurley that we've been accustomed to over the past couple of years. And that we saw that towards the end of last season uh, where he was dealing with a lot of knee issues. Uh, I think even right now he's injured with some type of like a thigh bruise or a or, or something to do with a, a leg injury that, that kept him out of practice. And I saw that someone tweeted that it, it just sounded significant. And so they may not even face Todd Gurley. We'll see. But he has. They might be better off without him. I mean, have you seen his numbers for this year? Yeah, they're. they're, they're his yards per carry is is at four, only because the last game he had he averaged six point nine yards a carry against Carolina. Um, actually, no, that's for the first game. The first game of the year, he averaged six point nine. Since since then, three point nine, three point one, three point two, three point four. So, I don't know if it's the offensive line, like you said, that has been, you know, very poor, but. He hasn't been running very well behind it. Right, and I, I don't think the 49ers need to worry about him. I think they had more to worry about Nick Chubb than they did in Todd Gurley. You know, and right. I think that if – Todd Gurley's proven to be kind of a better running back over like in the past, but not right now. The way the, the way that current offense is churning and the way that, that he's running right now is, is I think Nick Chubb was a much bigger threat than Todd Gurley is, and the 49ers handled Chubb pretty well. Considering the week – before uh, against the Ravens, Chubb went off for like 187 yards and three touchdowns. Well, he only against the 49ers, he only had 16 carries for 87 yards uh, and zero touchdowns. So that was pretty impressive to see them handle that. And so now they're going up against Todd Gurley, who and and that's another thing that the Rams are suffering from right now is it's it's a lot of the offensive uh, responsibility is falling upon Jared Goff in the passing game because the rushing attack just isn't what it is. They, they had four people rush the ball against the Seahawks, and all four of them couldn't combine for 100 yards. Todd Gurley had 51. Uh, Cooks had 27 on one play. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brown only got one snap for three yards, and then they have Goff on there for a yard. So that is not their game right now. And, and obviously, and I don't think you want uh, Jared Goff running the, running the ball. Oh, no. <laughs> and and that, so that, that whole – Rams offense right now plays right into the 49ers hands in the fact that they don't really have a potent potent rushing game and they want to throw the ball their offensive line isn't great and the 49ers have probably a top five maybe a top three defensive front in the NFL right now so you know 
I want to say that the game's still going to be competitive for sure. But I don't, I, you know, the, the Rams opened up as the favorites. And I think a lot of that just has to do with kind of the general aura of the team over the past couple of years, you know, the 49ers versus the Rams type of deal. But, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the 49ers were, were able to come out and, and handle the Rams in the same way that they were able to, that, or excuse me, that the Buccaneers were able to handle the Rams. You know, but, but the 49ers have a better defense. So, It'll be interesting to see how the injuries kind of affect things. I think it's weird to say this, especially regarding your starting left and right tackle, but I think Juszczyk might be the biggest loss of that group, you know, just in the fact that he's just used so vastly among the entire offense to do so many different things. Right. I think that he might be the toughest loss in that group to absorb, but, you know, the, the it's it's tough. I mean, I, I, if, I think the 49ers – have a very good chance of beating the Rams. And, and in the same way that it's a must-win for the Rams, that kind of plays right into the fact that it should be a must-win for the 49ers because they can see this as an opportunity to truly, like, step on the throat of the Rams and where they are right now. You know, they've- yeah, with the Rams, I don't know how you view them. I, I don't want to downplay the Rams or who they are or what they've been. Um, I, I think they've been a good franchise over the last couple years. But when I look at that team now, I, I don't see the team that we've seen previously, right? I mean, we talked about Todd Gurley. I, I feel like the entire offense has run through Todd Gurley. And when you start making the offense more about Jared Goff than Gurley, I think that's when you can kind of find yourself in some trouble. I mean, Goff has thrown the ball a ton. Right. No, a yeah, ton. no against the Seahawks, and that was a, a unique game. But he threw uh, – 49 passes, completed 29 of them for 395 yards, but was only able to manage one touchdown and threw one interception. So their entire offense is being generated from the passing attack. And then you look over at the Seahawks, who are a much better team than the Rams, in my opinion, in the fact that you have Russell Wilson playing out of his mind. He only threw 23 passes, but he completed 17 of them for 268 yards and four touchdowns. And then you have Chris Carson, who rushed for 118 yards. Russell Wilson added 32. Rashad Penny added 18. Will Disley had a carry for seven. Like, it's a much, the Seahawks are a much more well rounded team than the Rams. And so it's, and I feel like. The 49ers defense is much better equipped to deal with the Rams than the Seahawks were. Do you know how many times Goff threw against Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No, did you go back and, and look? I, I have it pulled up right now. If you had to guess, like, what I would, would you say? Just 56. 68. Dude, what is the record? I don't know, but I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo's throwing 68 passes all like, year. <laughs> look, okay, Goff threw three interceptions in that game. But when you're throwing 68 passes, like something's going to go wrong eventually. Like the fact that they're having – that their quarterback has to do that. And then look, look at the rushing stats on that game. Todd Gurley, five carries, 16 yards. Malcolm Brown, five carries, 14 yards. The Rams are in a weird spot right now, and I feel like no one's talking about what we're talking about right now. Like, they are just <laughs> only pass. They're as one-dimensional as I've even seen an NFL team be. Yeah, there was one game. I, I think you just said it, but I think Todd Gurley had five carries against Tampa. Right. Like, dude. And, and you know, that's em- Emmanuel Mosley is going to get some action again. But he, he looked great, by the way. But it's just – this is an interesting game because the 49ers can go into this 
almost guaranteeing that the Rams are going to pass, and that will be their primary means of gaining first downs and <laughs> scoring points. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. not going to getting... come out of nowhere with this amazing rush game, not against a, a 49ers defense that's capable of doing what it's doing. So, I mean, that, that's kind of crazy. When, when's the last time? The receivers scare me a bit. I, I will say that. They should. And that's why they can get away with throwing that much because their receivers are good. I mean, I got Cooper Cup in my fantasy league, man. He's the number two receiver right now. But yeah, he's lighting it up. He he's lighting it up. They're really good. They're more precise. Like you know, watching the Cleveland Browns game, I, I thought Baker Mayfield was just off, and he was getting flushed out the pocket. Now, I mean, if you flushed Goff out the pocket the way he, you were doing with Baker Mayfield, I think you'll get very similar results. But um, just with who Goff is. He, he's just better than Baker Mayfield is right now. For sure. Um, so, you know, so like the timing is better. The rhythm is better, uh, better of the offense. McVay's a better play caller than Kitchens probably will ever be. Um, so I think just from that standpoint, it's going to be more difficult on the 49ers. But if you can get them to be more one-dimensional like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, I think that's where, you know, you get McGough to throw 68 times. I'm pretty sure they don't want to, but that's when the mistakes will happen, especially when you have the 49ers pass rush coming like they've been coming. I mean, that, that is – it doesn't matter who's back there. You know, if, if Nick Bosa and D Ford are beating guys at the snap of the ball. So, um, now it, it's going to be very interesting. If their offensive line gets dominated by 49ers defensive line, that's that's where it can get really bad for 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 the Rams, and it, it won't matter who their pass catchers are. Um, their tight end is pretty good too. Every, yeah, you know, he, had, he had a um, game. Yeah, cool. yeah, he, he, he he's pretty good. Uh, I think I can't remember the exact scenarios against the Seahawks, but at some point he had a drop that looked like it was going to cost them the game, and then something ended up happening where they had another chance. The offense had enough had another chance to go back uh, get back after it, and they went right back to Everett again. And he made a huge play for the offense and stuff like that. So that was interesting to watch, you know, them just trying. I've always believed in that as a coach. Like if one of your guys has a drop or makes a mistake, then just keep going right back at him. Let him make another play. But, um, yeah, it's it's just it's going to be an interesting game. And I don't think that the Los Angeles Rams have that much of a home field advantage. You know, they're playing in the Coliseum, USC Stadium, and it's – there might be more 49er fans than Rams fans at that right, game. <laughs> right. And it's it's you know, it's the Buccaneers just went in there and and beat them up, you know, and there were times when the score was they were beating the Rams by more than the end of the game, which ended it they ended up fifteen points ahead. So it, it's just it's the Rams are an interesting team right now. They're still good. I just don't think that they're anywhere near the Rams that everybody thinks they're talking about when they talk about the Rams. You know, the, the record says that in and of itself, but they're just like we just like we just talked about with you guys. They're just they're they're just not the same team. They're incredibly one dimensional. So I think it, it benefits the 49ers that they can hone in on a very specific part of the Rams game uh, and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the biggest thing for the Rams is they're going to want to focus on the fact that the 49ers have two very inexperienced right and left tackles. You know, the only thing the 49ers have going for them in that front is the fact that Jimmy G gets the ball out in like like just over two seconds. Like it's it's really he, he throws the ball really quick. So that in a way mitigates any any edge any edge pressure that uh, you know, unless he's holding on to the ball. So uh, I know we're definitely 
over on our weekly time limit. We're at 52 minutes right now. Is there, you got any, you got any closing thoughts, Crocker, before we send these guys off? Do you want to do like predict? I don't like doing predictions because I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> I don't either, man. But I mean, you can. I, don't, I, don't. I guess we'll, we'll just close it out with, you know, right now the 49ers are three and a half to three point favor, uh, underdogs, depending on what you look at, which the home team automatically gets three points. So on the neutral field, which it might be neutral because I think the fans, it'll probably be the same amount for each team. Um, you know, it, it's even. It's a coin flip. So what do you what do you think you know it'll take for the 49ers to be able to you know come away with the win in this game? Um, like just like a couple already, key yeah, nuggets. Yeah, do everything we already talked about. Get after Goff in every way, shape, or form. You know that means blitzing. I would be blitzing a linebacker as often as I could, and you know, and maybe you don't do that. Maybe the fact that the 49ers have been able to generate so much pressure with just their four guys. And shout out to Nick Bosa, by the way. We haven't even mentioned him in this podcast yet. Just had the game of his life. Uh, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Um, but get after Goff, and then do what you've been doing on offense. It'll be a little bit different now that you don't have use check out there. But establish a run. Get after Goff. Right. And I think um, as far as on the offensive side for the 49ers, you know, the Rams will be missing Clay Matthews. You know, he broke his jaw. His jaw's wired shut right now. Uh, the, their secondary has been giving up big plays left and right. Um, yeah, Peter's more specifically, are, are, probably are just like, kind of like the Rams are, are not the corners that I think everybody thinks they are. They're, they're obviously not bad by right. any means, but they're not playing like what you would have expected from a, a Tlaib and Peters combo. Yeah. So it's kind of scary, like, you know, certain timing throws and things like that. They, they're pretty good with um, some of the things that they do defensively, but like they can make you pay, but big plays are there to be had um, establish a run game. I think 49ers will pop, possibly take more deep shots this game than we've seen so far this this uh this this year and if they can do that i I think you know it it can possibly be a w for the 49ers but i'm pretty sure you know that the the rams aren't going to lay down they're going to come out and they're going to want to win this game at home and 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 not fall to three and three because that'll be a a real tough uphill climb yeah and if you made me pick I'd, I'd pick the 49ers to win but i do think it'll be close especially with the rams kind of backed up into a into a corner um losing two in a row one of them to the seahawks they know they're in a rough plate a rough place overall they know they're in a rough place in the division so it's a must win for them so i wouldn't like i said i wouldn't be surprised if we see a different rams team that we saw over the past two weeks uh but I, I do think the 49ers uh, have a really good shot at this. I think they match up pretty well against the Rams. And and the 49ers, other than that, I think other than one game, uh, even every time they've played the Sean, Mc, Sean McVay's Rams, they've come to play, and they, they've been ready to do it. Uh, I, I go back to that, their very first time they played each other when it was Brian Hoyer and stuff. It was like 55. Oh, yeah, that was a great game. That was really a classic it game. Was. That was a classic game. And it was decided 30, on an offensive pass. 39-41, I believe the final score right. was. It was it was high scoring, and they called that offensive pass interference on Trent Taylor. I was like, "Are you serious, oh, yeah. <laughs> little Trent good. Taylor?" Sure, yeah, whatever. But, anyways, that's it, we're coming up on an hour, so that we've been we've been railing at you guys for way too long. Uh, as always, like I like to say at the end of every podcast, I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we wouldn't be able to do this if you guys weren't listening. So we appreciate you. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at any time. 
just to let us know you're listening. Uh, you can find me at Rob underscore Louder, L-O-W-D-E-R. And you can find Croc at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, so like I said, hit us up. Let us know you're listening. Throw us a question if you want us to include us in here. We haven't done a mailbag episode in a while. We'll have to do that soon. But We'll do it after this right, game. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's going to be plenty to talk about. So uh, we'll do it on the next one. And so if you're listening right now, get a question ready. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put that out on Twitter for you guys to send those in, and we'll, we'll hit it up. We'll do a Twitter episode where we just answer your questions. But this, that's it for another week. You're listening to Striking Gold on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, as always, thanks for checking us out, and we will be coming at you again next week. Um, our CEO in chief, uh, Kevin Jones, will be handling the episode on Sunday after the game. He always handles the reactions, and me and Croc usually handle the our own reactions and then a preview. So, but anyways, I'm, I'm still rambling on. So, with that being said, this <laughs> is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.